Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. So we're in the uh, third week uh, of a three-week series called Now Concerning the Spiritual. And uh, Mitch broke it open beautifully in week one where he unpacked the context of uh, spiritual realms, uh, the first, second, third realm of heaven. And that was awesome. Listen to the podcast. And then uh, Debbie um, did an incredible word last week as well on Now Concerning Healing. I really want to encourage you to listen to that word Um, If you are unsure about what we believe in healing, uh, it's a really powerful word. And this uh, week I'm going to be talking about now concerning angels. And so um, this is a massive topic and and it's hard to do it justice just on one Sunday morning message. And so there'll be things missing from this message, but I'm going to do my best to to wrap as much of God's word around this message um, uh, this morning. And uh, part of the why for this message was actually a trigger on the uh, Sunday morning after conference of, uh, we had, who was at Thrive Conference, an incredible time of encounter. I've spoken with numerous people just this week whose lives were dramatically changed at conference. So, so cool to hear those testimonies. Uh, So on the Sunday morning of conference, I come into church. Um, There's not many people in the auditorium. I walk up just down here, and over there against that wall, I saw an angel. And it was, I don't, I've never seen an angel and go, oh, there's an angel in the room. It's not something that's been on my grid. It's, I haven't really gone looking for angels. Um, But I walked in, and there was just really big angel, like about the height of the top of that wall there, and I thought to myself, am I imagining this? This is um, really out there. Um, and so, uh, you know, we get into worship, and I'm like, that angel, I'm still thinking in, about that angel being there. First service wraps up, I'm like, angel's still there, what's going on? What do I, do I say anything about the angel? Uh, what do I do with the angel? We get right through the second service, I'm still thinking about this angel being there, and then I wrap up the second service, and then I go, hang on, hang on, hang on, right at the end, I'm like, there's just a really big angel over there this morning, I've just been seeing him the whole time. Um, I asked the Lord, like, what's his name? What, are, what What's he about? And I just got the word guardian, uh, and in that moment, I just really felt that he was a, a guardian of our church, guardian of the move of the Spirit, and positioned um, here for us. Um, And I want to break open a little bit about why angels, you know, this morning. The interesting thing about this angel is he didn't have wings. Uh, He looked like the cross between a samurai and a Viking. He was resting on a big, um, like, axe, warrior axe. And um, he was cool. He was godly. He wasn't, like, scary, but he was really mean looking. He was like, I'm a battle angel. Like, that's what he was kind of projecting. And so, I've just been really interested in that, you know, looking into the Bible about going like, you know, why angels? Why did I see that angel? And I want to bring honor to all of God's creation. You know, um, he created angels. And so let's look at what the word says about angels. So today, just the three things uh, through this message today, I want to just look at uh, number one, how angels and demons are connected with uh, the spiritual atmosphere around our lives. I want to look at six aspects of uh, the angel, an angel's job description or uh, what, what angels are up to. Um, and then number three, the application. How can we be a part of the activation of the full spiritual realm happening around our lives? You know, the activation of 
of angels. And I'm not going to reference every scripture I mentioned today, but you can welcome to my notes if you want to um, see them. Uh, in, in talking about angels, it's, I, I don't want to be weird uh, about this actually, but I want to celebrate the wonder of angels, um, that they are beings, that they are real. Uh, Bill Johnson says, you know, you're crazy if you worship angels, but you're equally crazy if you ignore them. Uh, so firstly, how, so how are angels and demons uh, connected to the spiritual atmosphere around our lives? And to do this, I want to check out an Old Testament account from Second Chronicles chapter 18. And this is where King Ahab, who's the king of Israel, and King Jehoshaphat, he's the king of Judah, are considering to going to war against their enemies, Ramoth Galid. And they have asked 400 of Ahab's prophets if it's a good idea to go into battle. And so the spoiler alert for this is that, uh, that King Ahab had done more evil than any other king in history. God said that in his word in First Kings. And, 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 but these 400 prophets answer, go. You know, go to war for uh, God will give this into the king's hand. And, and, but Jehoshaphat, he's not feeling it. He's like, is there no longer a prophet of the Lord who I can inquire of? And then the king of Israel answered Jehoshaphat. He said, yes, there's still one prophet but I hate him because he never prophesies anything good about me, always bad. His name is Micaiah. And so they summoned Micaiah. And Micaiah answered, uh, you know, he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the hills like sheep without a shepherd. And so Ahab's like, again. And he responds to Jehoshaphat, didn't I tell you that this guy only says bad things about me? And um, then Micaiah gets up and he, and he takes it up a level and he says this, he says, this is what I saw unfolding in the throne room of heaven concerning this question. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and with all the multitudes of heaven standing on his right and his left. And the Lord said, who will entice Ahab, king of Israel, into attacking Ramoth Gilead and going to his death there? And, and then it says, one suggested this, one suggested that. Isn't that incredible in the courtroom? Of God's asking the heavenly hosts. Finally, a spirit came forward, stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. By what means, the Lord asked, I will go and be a deceiving spirit in the mouths of his prophets, he said. You will succeed in enticing him, said the Lord. Go and do it. So now the Lord has put a deceiving spirit in the mouths of all these prophets of yours. The Lord has decreed disaster for you. Intense. <laughs> See, the problem was is that Ahab only wanted to hear what Ahab only wanted to hear. His heart permission, his heart condition, sorry, the motivations of his heart were actually opening a spiritual gateway that allowed the context of the heavenly realm that he wanted to hear about flow through his life. And because the motivations of Ahab's heart were corrupt, God commissioned a lying spirit 
a deceiving spirit. It doesn't say exactly that it was a demonic spirit, but most translations, translations say, sorry, that it was a lying spirit into the mouths of the false prophets because they weren't real prophets either, were they? And the bottom line here is that when we believe a lie, we live in the consequences of that lie. Now, just hold that thought because on the other end of the spectrum, if we're talking about Ahab in the context of like he was deceived, and in the same way, the spiritual realm imparted deception to him, in the context of the realm of truth, we have Joshua who is standing on the brink of going into the promised land. He's carrying the word of the Lord, the commission of the Lord to go into the promised land and bring the truth of the kingdom with him. And what happens to him, he's feeling a little bit worried about what he's about to go and do because who knows stepping out in faith scary. An angel of the Lord, the realm of the spirit is opened up to him and, and the angel says to him multiple times, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. And because Joshua is carrying truth in his heart, a word of the Lord in the heart, the spiritual realm is endorsing that, is bringing provision to that and an encouragement to the truth that he's carrying in his heart. My first point this morning, just in this context, we're talking about angels, I know, but spiritual freedom is determined by what we believe. The angelic realm is empowered by what we believe. The demonic realm is empowered by what we believe. They are activated by lies or truth. And you can look into this in Acts 5 if you want to see any more like, whoa, that is heavy with the account of Ananias and Sapphira. Like what happened to them when they partnered with lies? You know, the spiritual realm responds to what we give permission to and restriction to in our lives. By And, 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 and Paul actually addresses it in this way, and he says this in Philippians 4.8, and he says, it's determined by what you focus on, and he says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if, everything, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. He's like, please, church, align your life with this stuff. Because corruption is going to pollute your spirit. So what do we really know about angels? Angels are mentioned more than 190 times in the New Testament. Um, But how do they appear to people in the Bible? First, some angels appeared to people in recognizable form, um, even seeming human. For example, the angel that announced the, the virgin birth to Mary appeared like a human. Uh, the angel who appeared to the shepherds and the um, ange- angelic multitude who praised God, they appeared to be in human form. And you can find those references for that. In Hebrews 13 verse 2, it says, Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some have entertained angels without knowing it. <laughs> it's awesome. And the angels are also attracted to your welcome <laughs> in, the, in the context of that. Second, other angels appear in dreams in regards to the birth of Jesus again. An angel appeared to Joseph in a dream by, uh, to tell him to take Mary and his wife, you know, as his wife, because there would be a son born who his name would be Jesus. And then later, an, another angel appeared to Joseph in a dream to warn him to flee to Egypt with his family. In Matthew 2 verse 13, 
Third, some angels appear in visions, and this is true in Ezekiel chapter 1 and 10, as well in the vision of Revelation. John had a vision of the book of Revelation, and an angel was like showing him and telling him all about the unfolding wonders of what's ahead. So dreams and visions, angelic visitations, why not? (laughs) Like, more Lord. Like, that sounds cool. Who wants, I mean, I'd love to entertain an angel unaware. You know, like, I want more revelation and and visions of um, heavenly encounters. We say more, Lord. So what are angels up to? Um, And this is, like I said, this is not conclusive. This is just a biblical overview. And there are two reference points for each one of these biblical points that I'm going to make. That's something that we try and do here in this church is make sure we're referencing two things to endorse a truth here from the word. Uh, In Genesis 28, Jacob dreamt about a ladder that angels were ascending on and descending between heaven and earth. Hebrews 1 tells us that angels are sent to give service for those who inherit salvation. So it's really interesting that the angels aren't descending and ascending. They are ascending and descending, implying that earth is the focus of their assignment. They're going to heaven to get resources from heaven to bring it back to earth. And so it's a wonderful snapshot of this angelic activity towards earth, towards our lives. Um, What else does it say? Some angels have rebelled against God. In Isaiah 14, Lucifer, who was in charge of guarding the throne of God with bringing God praise and worship, he chose to rebel. And then a third of the angels rebelled with him. And the fallen angels became demons who exist in one of two places. One on earth, attacking and discouraging humans, inflicting them with sickness and disease and deception. The second place is mentioned in 2 Peter 2.4 in Tartarus. In Tartarus, that's how you say it, yeah. And this is defined as a prison cell in hell where they're kept until the final judgment. Did you know that? So there are two-thirds more angels than demons, and many demons are already locked up. So we're on the, like, we're on the winning team, people. <laughs> Third, angels can provide for our physical needs. And we can see this through after Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, angels ministered to him. Also, after Elijah's victory on Mount Carmel, and he was in a place of total exhaustion, and he fell asleep, and then an angel touched him and said, get up, and the angel had provided some bread that had been baked over hot coals in a jar of water, and that happened for a couple of times uh, in that moment because Elijah was so exhausted. And when he ate the food, though, Elijah was able to travel 40 days and 40 nights until he reached his destination just on that one meal. I mean, come on. I'd like some supernatural supper. Um, number four, angels protect believers from danger. Uh, you can look at the context of Daniel in the lion's den. And in Psalm 34, verse 7, it says, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear God, and he delivers them. Number five, angels fight with us. In 2 Kings chapter 6, Elijah says to his terrified servant, as they were surrounded by a vast enemy, he says this, Do not fear those who are with us, are greater than those who are against us. 
And then he prayed, Lord, open his eyes. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around them. And then in Exodus 17, Moses is leading Israel into battle against the Amalekites. And just as long as Moses stood with his hands raised, the battle was, they were winning in the battle. Joshua was actually leading the battle. And when Moses grew tired, Aaron and Hur would, you know, hold his hands up because every time he let them drop, the Israelites started losing. And it's a beautiful picture of actually people supporting one another and the, and the teamwork that's needed in the body of Christ. But this physical posture of Moses released this spiritual freedom that's translated into a natural victory. It's awesome. Partnering with the angelic. And number six, angels administrate what God is saying. And we're going to camp on this. This is my final point this morning. In Psalm 103, verse uh, 20 to 21, it says, Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his biddings, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you servants who do his will. Acts 10 tells us about a centurion called Cornelius, who was a God-fearing man. He wasn't a Jew. Uh, yeah, he wasn't a Jew. He was not yet a follower of Christ, but he was visited by an angel of God while he was praying. Check this out. We're going to look at this in Acts 10, verse 3. It says, One day at about three in the afternoon, he, this is Cornelius, had a vision. So he saw an angel in his vision. And he distinctly saw an angel of God. And the angel said, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. So Cornelius' generous heart, his prayers towards others, drew a dramatic response from God. It actually goes on to say in Acts 10 that he was known right throughout the Jewish kingdom because of his generosity. So he gave to the poor, and he prayed, and as he was doing that, unbeknown to him, he was painting a target on himself from the heavenly realms until Cornelius had God's full attention. See, <laughs> it's amazing that what we do actually makes a difference in the heavenly realms, isn't it? And God responds by sending an angel. And we have to note that, God, that Cornelius didn't receive this angel without the response of his generosity and prayers. That has to be noted. And often it's our sacrifice that gives us an audience in heaven. And you can see this in the book of Daniel. You see this incredible picture of angels battling demonic principalities in the heavenly realm, probably in the second heaven, as they struggle to release this word for Daniel to carry, a prophetic declaration. And then after this angel broke through, he said to Daniel, God has heard everything you said since the first day you decided to humble yourself. And it took 21 days for this angel to break through. First day. 
And I, the angel, <laughs> I've come in response to your prayer. But it took 21 days for me to come because the, the Persian kingdom opposed me. However, this is the angel talking still. This is the word of God. <laughs> However, another angel, Michael, one of the chief commanders, came to help me because I was left alone with the kings of Persia. And I've come to explain to you what will happen to your people. So the kings of Persia, who are they? They are demonic principalities over that kingdom. In Ephesians 6 verse 12, it says, For our struggle was not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in an unseen realm. Bill Johnson says this. It's tr- this is true in part, because we've probably all heard this, higher levels, higher devils. But the problem with that thought if we just keep that alone, is that Christians may become too scared to grow up. But then Bill goes on to say, who has more soldiers surrounding them, privates or generals? Higher levels, higher angels. (laughs) Back to this story, the Bible says that the angel was dispatched on the first day of Daniel's prayers. But it was his persistence, his persistent sacrifice his persistent prayer, he only ate veggies, it was just like a Daniel fast, over 21 days that ultimately determined the victory. And so this has to be asked, that is how many times didn't the, did the, you know, didn't the answer make it to us? Because we gave up too soon. And from the account of Daniel and Cornelius, we can see that spiritual climates change because we sacrifice and we pray and we give on an ongoing basis. And just looking at what I'm Let me say this. A sacrifice is made. Let's just think a little bit more about sacrifice. I want to bring a little bit of context to sacrifice. A sacrifice is made when we determine that what we have whether it's our time, our treasure, or our talent, is more beneficial in God's hands than our own. That's kind of what a sacrifice is. I saw this um, quote on Instagram this week. Don't live with the expectation that other people will see your sacrifice. Live knowing that God will see your sacrifice. Because we can get so, I hope so-and-so saw what I I did. You know, it's important that I'm noticed. (laughs) And it is nice to be encouraged. But actually, ultimately, God's the one that we're doing this life for. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this, You'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Sacrifice is an expression of our maturity. And sometimes as adults, we go without for the benefit of our children. We make sacrifices. So as Cornelius is seeking the Lord through his sacrifice of generosity and prayer, this angel began to administrate his heavenly assignment. And then I want to share the last part of the story. The angel said to Cornelius, send some of your men to another city. This is where you'll find Peter and invite him back to your place. And while this is happening, Peter's also having a vision. And in the vision, God, God told him that he's, you know, what has, was not um, clean, what was unclean has now become clean. And so while Peter's trying to figure out this vision, the guys who were sent by Cornelius arrive at his house. And this is 
when two different worldviews collide. And God is bringing the angelic realm and the supernatural realm to bring two different worldviews together. Because Peter was a Jew and Cornelius was a Gentile. And when these guys showed up at his door, Peter understood his vision that God wanted him to go and carry the gospel of salvation to people who looked different, smelt different, ate different, you know, who weren't Jews. And so Peter then took a 12-hour walk from Joppa to, to Caesarea and preached the gospel of salvation to Cornelius, the guy who had been praying, who wasn't a Christian. <laughs> and it says the Holy Spirit fell on everyone who was in the house. Come on. It was like a revival that happened. And it became, that's another massive transformation moment in the Bible that was initiated by the sacrifice of an unbeliever. Um, as I was preparing this message, I was reminded of something that happened to our family about 10 years ago when we were in our four-wheel drive vehicle. We were going um, up Mount Thomas Road. We are going to go for a swim in the Ashley River. It was the middle of summer. And we'd have to um, open a gate, go through this gate to get to the river. And we, we came up to this gate and um, usually one of the kids would jump out of the car and open the gate. And we came up to the gate, hey kids, get out of the car. The gate just swings open in front of us. No one was there. And we all just were like, what? <laughs> it just happened. I drove through. Uh, I closed the gate. Actually, immediately one of the children said, an angel opened the gate. <laughs> we drove through. And I went and closed the gate. I was like, I am interested in this gate. I noted that there wasn't any wind. I went and pushed the gate open once it was closed to see if it would swing open. It swung shut again. It was an uphill opening. And we just concluded that if the Father knows all of our needs, he can open a gate with, for us as a family so that we could go for a swim in the river. You know? I'm like... It really, we really felt like it was an angelic encounter. It was like, what else could that be? It was an absolute unexplainable moment. And as I was just reminded of that story, I just felt like there was a word here for someone. There were, where it looks like doorways are shut, whether they're doorways of provision, doorways of destiny, doorways of relationship, divine opportunities aren't happening I want to remind you that God is still in the business of deploying angels on our behalf. They are eager and ready to serve in a supernatural way to usher in heaven's resources of protection, provision, and prosperity. And so I believe that angels right now are on assignment for young and old in various jobs and roles and are actively working in specific industries over regions and assigned to different countries. And perhaps, though, God is giving us, giving you the invitation to build a memorial offering in heaven. Perhaps there's something that he's asking of you today to go, you know, is it time to sacrifice your prayers to bring another expression of generosity into the throne room of heaven if it feels like doors are shut in this season? I want to tell you that you are not ignored. <laughs> 
You know, Daniel was heard in the first day of his prayer. His prayer was answered, but there was a battle to see the answer release onto the earth. There's something that we need to do to activate the heavenly realm around our lives. And it's awesome that salvation is a free gift and that that's incredible. But spiritual maturity is always in the context of a sacrifice. That's how we grow as believers. Thanks again for tuning in to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. Stay up to date with everything that is 